The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, Today's Talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to Hi-Fi Radio. Another week under our belt. Before we get into the talk of money, let's do a little name that tune with our guest, Mr. Frank Leo the Lion. Frank, you you will be awarded uh, Wolf on Bass swag if you can give me the name and artist. You know what? I I can't, but you brought back so many memories. Uh, I know. That's why I figured you could. Yeah, this is uh, bringing it home. It's a great tune. Okay, so we got the Bronxy Beat. Uh, small town boy. Small town uh, boys. Now, yeah. so I, I, I share, I play that with you because, of course, well, the town of Vaughan that you reside in uh, was once a small town, and how this town of Toronto has so changed uh, in the last thirty years. You, of course, has been servicing the real estate market since the early nineties. I used to watch you on the real estate television network. We all watched it in the early nineties, uh, and then, of course, along came Desert Storm, and that changed everything. Well, I got to thank you. You're bringing back some of my youth. I mean, I feel like a youngster today, so thank you. Well, you move around like a youngster. You're a very, very hardworking man. You know, it's funny, off air, um, we were just chatting about the nice weather that we are witnessing, and Jack said, well, I guess you can have some good open houses this weekend. And your response to Jack's open house question was? I don't do any open houses. Very ineffective. Let's talk about that. The old days, people would do open houses, cookies would be baked. People would perhaps come in. Of course, your neighbors always came in, nose around, little buggers that they are. Uh, why don't you do open houses anymore? Well, exactly for what you said. The open houses, uh, you know, they're not very, first of all, uh, safe because you don't know who's coming in. But then also, you're not really attracting buyers. You're just having people come to your home. You know, the way we look at it is that we market our properties to millions of potential buyers. Anyone can see it at any time by appointment. So it's at their convenience. So it's essentially... The ability to show the property anytime at their convenience is not an open house seven days a week as opposed to Saturday or Sunday between two and four. We, we give them more access. But before we show anyone, we know their name, their number, and we know that they, they know exactly what the property is asking and if they have that kind of property in mind. Uh, what about an agent's open house? Uh, did, did, does that still ring a bell and resonate? It, it, it it's not very effective. Right now, we have so much information. Plus, we have incredible online access to photography and seeing properties. And, you know, we allow those agents to go in, again, at their convenience. It's not just between uh, a short period of time. So we allow access to the right people whenever they want to go. So it's better, it's more efficient, but it's also more accurate in the sense that you're not just having tire kickers and nosy neighbors over for coffee. You could do that on your own time. <laughs> they, they do come out, for sure, Frank. But... Uh... Look, looking at you know, open houses versus a by appointment, you know, if I'm selling a place, right, and I hire an agent to, to sell my place for me, obviously they're going to try and get as many bookings as they can. Why is it that real estate agents don't show up? If they're selling the place, they let the buying agent 
come in and sell the property. I don't understand that side of it. That bothers me. So I'm glad you asked the question, Jack. It's not selling the property, but when you have, first of all, all the agents are bonded and they're, they're, they're working with their client. One of the things that we really want is a client to really tell us what they really feel about the property. It gives them an opportunity to handle any questions that they have and maybe give some suggestions on going forward. If someone else is there, then they're less likely to let us know what they're really feeling. Yeah, but the agent that is showing the customer the property, for the most part, doesn't know the property uh, unless they spend an hour with you going through the property. Uh, and though, so I, I do believe that the homeowner knows the property best, the strengths and weaknesses of it, and how to truly pitch it. In fact, I'll tell you something. When I sold my last home, uh, I was there. I met the buyer, and I, I think I was the influencing factor on the client or prospective buyer that I met in closing them. The agent wasn't around. I spoke to him about the quality of the workmanship, the neighborhood, answered some questions that the agent couldn't answer effectively, and I think I had an influence in closing the deal. Uh, there's no question. When you talk with passion and you really explain the quality, et cetera, so that has to be done. It's just not necessarily done when they're showing the property. We can do it before or sometimes even after because, you know, we want to make sure we display the home in the best possible light. And so that's the skill of getting the right people to see the property and know about it before they get in there. So they already are looking for that quality workmanship because it's been, you know, advertised to them and mentioned to them and marketed to them. Uh, let's talk about the market itself. Uh, and again, if you're just joining us, Hi-Fi Radio Show about money. Money doesn't matter. That's just music. And that's why we call it Hi-Fi Radio. I give you the best of both. But again, I do want you to have lots of money. Uh, and then you can do some good with it for yourself, for your family, and of course, for charity. Very, very important to support your causes. Uh, you will uh, dispel good karma. And good karma, well, of course, comes back to you. So it's all about good karma. But Frank, let's talk about the market. Uh, interest rates in Canada likely peaked we're now the bank of canada is in pause mode south of the border the central bank looks like it may still raise rates one more time um so the real estate market in the united states looks like it is getting softer but here at home i'm going to say lack of supply has put a good floor underneath real estate and it looks a lot healthier today frank than it did say in the fall of last year can you please talk to us about that that's why you're a good uh, financial advisor. Absolutely correct. So there is not enough inventory out there, and that's propping up our prices. So we're not getting the decrease. The concern I have, though, Wolf, is that, unfortunately, the U.S. is our big brother, and if they increase their rates and we don't, that's going to affect the value of the dollar. And if our dollar is weakened by that lack of following the states, then everything we buy is going to go up in price, and everything we sell goes down. But everything we sell goes down in price, and we are uh, an export. We, we are right? an, and we are an exporting nations. We are. I was going to say that the wood drawers of water. Yeah, interest rates are one factor that drive currency. It's a it's a very significant factor, and infra, uh, interest rate differentials do matter. But as you said, we export a lot of raw materials, and if the economy is running hotter than expected, if things are better than expected, and that's what we're seeing right now. The economy is relatively resilient. Employment is holding up. That's very bullish for the Canadian dollar. I, I want to uh, give the listener, and Frank, I want to help you out with something as well. Money tip 101. Friends, this is free, and it is valuable. As a Canadian, if you're afraid of risk, if you're afraid of the world coming to an end, buy the U.S. dollar. It reigns supremacy time in, time out, in times of crises. Uh, it is the ultimate hedge for risk for Canadian. It doesn't work if you're a U.S. investor. You're long the U.S. buck. But if you're a Canadian investor and the world goes to hell in a handbasket, you watch the U.S. dollar go up and the loonie will fall. 
Um, I share that with you because when people, there's a lot of negative talk around the U.S. buck. Always throughout my career, always oh, going to zero. It's overprinted. It's diluted. Nonsense. You take a look throughout history. Any crises, U.S. dollar goes higher, not lower. I was going to say, I'll give you two examples, which are well, great examples. So 2008 financial crisis, uh, the U.S. was the problem. Yes. U.S. real estate was the problem. U.S. banking was US the problem. U.S. banking was the problem. They were causing all this liquidity. And the U.S. dollar did what? Went higher. Went higher. 2020. <laughs> no, no, 2020, the whole world was locked in their basements. Yep, COVID. U.S. dollar went and higher. And they're giving out free money. They were, they were printing. The, the press was running right. OT. Silicon Valley Bank. Yep. Most recently. Yes. What happened to U.S. Bank? I would say since that period of time, things have been easing. Things have been getting better. But the U.S. dollar has come down since the peak of the Silicon Valley banking crisis, which was about a month ago. So... In times of crisis, money does go back to the now. US Frank, dollar. you are right. We are connected somewhat at the hip with the, with the with the American uh, authorities, and and their policy dictates our policy for the most part. But again, uh, our our central bank has to look at our domestic economy, use domestic data, see how the U.S. data will perhaps affect it, but then ultimately make a decision. So we we can pause first, as we have with the rate hike. I don't think we are going to raise again, even if America does, because America. We believe it's pretty much done its rate hike cycle. So uh, my point there is that's going to be very supportive for real estate. Now we have, what do you call it, Jack? Uh, you, you describe it very well. Uh, you know the market, lines in the sand. Uh, you, you can work with the market once you, you understand the well, price. I would say it. once you have certainty, yes. now you're going to have, people are going to be able to make economic decisions and find a clearing level for prices. Right. Right. So and if, I know, if I know that interest rates are 5%, I, maybe they're wherever they peak out at. If I if they're five percent, I know what house I can afford. I know what mortgage I can afford. What I don't know is if rates continue to rise, how high they're going to go. Then I can't make these economic decisions. So if you have some certainty, at least with the the playing field that you're at, then you can find clearing levels for risk assets. Real estate being one of them. Uh, frankly, let's speak with specific prices. Um, how much have prices fallen in your humble opinion? Peak to trough. Uh, and where do they sit right now? Are they still down from, from their peaks or they actually supported and, and actually bid up a little bit? So from, you know, the concern that I was mentioning earlier was about the, the inflation rate. I mean, if the inflation goes up, then we, you know, that's how they're tackling it with interest rates. And don't forget, uh, and that, that has rolled over, Frank. Again, yeah. I don't want to dispel negative. I'm, no, no. Inflation we're, we're, is rolling over. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we want to see it controlled. That's the big thing. That's the most important because that, that offers stability. And, Jack, I agree. When you have stability, at least you know what level playing field you're playing on. You can make decisions based on the current facts. But prices year over year have come down 14.6%. Okay. That, that's a good number. That's In which market? Because that, that really peak. matters. From the peak, uh, uh, we're talking about the GTA market. So from the peak of last year, which March was when the interest rates started going up. So that was the high point. Um, the good news is that the first time from February to March, there was an increase in prices, and it was 0.08 of a percent, but it's still going up from where it was. And that's a good thing because of the low inventory. So we're seeing that there is that effect of calming when we are holding the rates and people are jumping in. But there are a lot of people on the sidelines. That's what I can tell you. Buyers or sellers are both. Um, I would say both. More, more of one than more the other? More sellers, though. More sellers on the sideline. Look, we've got to take a quick break. Uh, so, Hi-Fi Radio Show, go on the sideline for about two minutes. We're going to get back with Frank Leo, the lion, uh, the king of Canadian real estate on Hi-Fi Radio. Of course, Jack by my side. Any questions about money for Jack or I? WolfgangKlein.com, TheWolfOnBayStreet.com. Quick break. Get right back to you. Stay tuned. 
let's take a break. Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back. Show about money. Frank Leo, the lion, joining Jack and I. Indeed. Frank, before we go into the business, this is Hi-Fi Radio. We're going to do a little high fidelity. Name that tune, song and artist. You can do it, Frank. Pet Shop Boys. There you go. And West End Girls. There you go. You win the prize pack, a Wolf on Bay Street prize pack for Mr. Leo the Lion. Thank you, thank you. Indy, I, I, I had this vision of you, you know, being like a John Travolta on the disco floor, dancing to that track in 1982, man. I could just see it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's, you know, Frank, that's 40 years ago. I know, I know. It's, it's, it's scary. It's back my youth. Unbelievable. I, I know. I know. But you keep going strong. Um, and it's a pleasure. You know, uh, experience really does matter. Um, and, and the real estate market was such a weird market. It was a bull market in real estate. Good golly for decades it never corrected much more than for a few months so getting a shakeout finally uh i think was well received by many canadians but the problem is affordability is actually worse now than it was to, to carry a home all in it costs you more now after that 14 percent price correction uh than it has in a long time uh now i'm going to couple that statement with uh, I get much of my data uh, just riding the elevators in downtown Toronto. You get little televisions on the elevators and you get facts coming at you. Uh, 37% of uh, Canadian parents support their adult children after the age of 18 financially. 37% of Canadians are giving their adult boys and girls money, either down payments. Uh, Jack, you, you saw the same article in your head. I mentioned you. Yeah. Head so so sorry, I would say it was rent. I think there was some food. There was uh, random cash infusions. Just I'm going to call that an allowance, uh, which, which we give to our kids. They have to make their bed and do the dishes. So I'm wondering. Yeah, but your kids aren't 18. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pro quo there. But anyways, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, troubling the fact that um, you know adult children need to rely on their parents. And those parents not only are helping out their, I'm going to say, I don't know if it's millennials or general, Gen Z. But they're also sandwich generation helping out elders as well, seniors. Yeah, yeah, we see it uh, firsthand when clients go, my mom needs but some more money. It's a sign of the times, Wolf, and housing affordability. So, so, Frank, I want to talk to you about that. What percent of your first-time home buyers are receiving financial support from their parents? The bank of mom and dad is very strong in this, uh, in this arena, first-time buyers for sure. Uh, how, I was going to say, strong? it's going to get stronger, Wolf, with the new first-time home buyer account that is being opened. So... Uh, just this year, you're able to open up a first-time homebuyer account. You can put $8,000 into it. If you don't have the money available, you can transfer it over from your RSP. Tax Most free. institutions don't have this yet. But what's going to happen is it's going to have you know individuals who have parents that can help fund that. It's going to allow them to grow tax-deferred money for their first-time homebuyer. Well, and it'll be parents funding those accounts, 100%. I, I, I like to take it back to the basics. A um, couple of things when you want to build wealth. Uh, number one, you got to get out of bed and go to work. 
and you have to live beneath your means and you have to put money aside. And perhaps you have a couple of buckets. Uh, you have a bucket for your downstroke on your first home and you need to manage your largest expense. Frank, what is your biggest expense in life? Uh, that would be your home. I mean, you know, I think the uh, You still get my prize pack, but no, your largest, Frank? You, you, you I was going to say, chi- say children, Wolf. Uh, wrong <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah the, the child is the prime minister of the country. Um, yes, taxes, Frank. That is your largest expense. Oh, uh, you, 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 you take a look at your T4 slip. I you tell agree, me. I agree. No, nah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. About after I know, but people yeah. don't think that the government's an expense. Please, it's a big expense. I go back, therefore, to... To manage taxes, you got one plain vanilla trick, and it's actually a goodie, uh, and it's called an RSP. So as soon as you begin working, my friends, put money into an RSP and do not stop. And if you want to stop, I give you one date you can stop and pause and call me, and that's in 25 years. I mean by that, you start now and you put money aside every paycheck. Do that for 25 years consistently. You will build wealth. At this, no different than building wealth in a home. You start, you, you save a down payment, you buy that first home, you pay off the mortgage over 25 years, and you got yourself a lot of wealth. They both work in the same fashion. What happens with a home is you're forced to, because you have a mortgage, you're forced to do that forced savings. Uh, with RSP, you start, you stop. When the market's good, you, you buy, i.e. when it's expensive, and then you watch it go down. You say, I won't do this again when it's cheap, and it gets expensive. You buy No, just do it consistently. Frank, I, um, and we do have Drew Donaldson coming on after our show. You may want to hang around the studios to listen to one of the best mortgage brokers in Canada, uh, Donaldson Capital. Um, uh, I'm curious about uh, how much equity, and you, you may know the numbers, Frank, about two years ago, or not even, 15 months ago when money was virtually free, well over 90% of a first mortgage payment or close to about 90% of a first monthly mortgage payment was going towards principal. Back in the day when Frank Leo the Lion uh, left the disco stage with me and we went and bought our first homes, uh, Frank, well, 90%, I think, of the, of the first five years of payments were going to service the debt. My point is today, when you take out a mortgage, do you know what portion on your first payment is going towards principal, i.e. forced savings, wealth creation versus uh, interest? Do you know that very, offhand? Very little. Uh, I would say it depends on so what no, you... No, no, hold on, sorry. Very little on, on debt reduction or... or on debt uh, reduction, yes. It's all interest, essentially. It, for it, we're, years, we're, really... There we go. So we're back to that f- phenomenon, too. Well, it depends but, what you have down. You have to start with that. Are you talking about a 5%? Uh, no, insured mortgage, uh, 20%, right? The mortgage amount itself is geared to be low uh, principal on, on the, the front end and then to larger at the right. tail end. The way it so. used to be. But a few years ago with rates at zero, the, it was amazing for savings, even even paying top dollar. But, least, well, if you have to look at wealth. it this way, though, all right, for savings, that's great. You're putting 90% towards principal. Yeah. But if you just bought in the last two years, you took a 14% haircut. I am uh, the, yeah, it's not a good situation no, no, for the no, first-time no, home buyer in the no, last it, couple it, of years. It, not, not a good situation, but at least when rates were zero, you, you're actually creating equity. I, I think it was hard to do that, that Wolf, though. You couldn't pay that much towards principal. People were, were buying to the top end of their affordability in terms of the qualifications. So although the interest rates were low, they still needed to borrow the money, and, and, and the first of a 25-year amortization period is interest. So unless somebody has a five-year amortization period, which we don't see very often, they're typically 25 and now beyond that to try and keep the cost lower. So interest is mostly interest for the first five years. Um, Frank, another point that you made, is, is, and I think is more relevant today, certainly than it was a couple of years ago, but I, it was very relevant when you and I bought our first homes, and that is uh, being able to generate some income out of that first home that you purchased. Um, how much value... 
can it add to a home if you have additional income capability, i.e. if you have a basement apartment in it? And secondly, what percentage of first-time home buyers are willing to sacrifice part of their home to help support the cause and be able to purchase a home in the first place? I.e. what percentage of first-time home buyers rent out their basement? That's amazing. Uh, that's amazing information, and I agree with you 100%. Yes, I think it was more um, viable and more. It was happening more often back in the day, so to speak. I think young people today are, are a little less likely to have want people in their home. They don't want to deal with the the sacrifice. But I mean, the opportunity to make more money, more income without having to go to work is a definite asset for any property that's selling. And for any homeowner who wants to buy a property, having that income available is going to help you uh, to be able to afford a better property. Well, again, I'm going to just do some basic math. Rough math, ladies and gentlemen. A $100,000 mortgage costs you approximately six fifty a month, roughly. And again, Frank knows better, and Drew, our next guest, will be able to get more specific. But let's call it 600 bucks a month uh, to carry 100 uh, If you can generate 1500 bucks from a basement apartment, that can almost carry 300 grand worth of debt for you. So, Absolutely. right, that, that is the math. Uh, no pain, no gain, delay gratification uh, for, for a better long-term uh, outcome. But my parents, uh, my good friend, when they, when they arrived in Canada and they finally had a little downstroke and they stretched as far as they could, they rented out more than half their house. Uh, this is prior to me uh, being a twinkle in my parents' eyes, but uh, when they had their first child, they still had rental income. And the second child, they had rental income. Um, and then I came along, and then my parents actually, you know what they did after, the, after I came along? Six months later, they adopted a child. <laughs> Just to add to their uh, <laughs> troubles. And that's when they had to get rid of the tenants. But yeah, I think for about eight or nine years, uh, they had rental income coming into that property to help. Well, to just, just to make it work. Um, but people aren't willing to make those sacrifices, and then they wonder why they don't have it. They wonder why they don't have anything. So you got to sacrifice. You got to say, I'm going to have to get some George Michael, I think, lined up for this, right? Yeah, that's a good sacrifice. Look, yeah, sacrifice. Frank, let's, let's talk about outside GTA. So work from home was all, all the craze during COVID. Uh, I'm going to say the periphery areas uh, of Ontario and going as far as Windsor really got bit up. I'm going to say the, the, the lower quality real estate actually probably went up the most in terms of percentages. Um, GTA is down 14%. Uh, what are you seeing with work from home? And then what are you seeing you know, out once you get outside of the GTA? Uh, well, that, that definitely has changed a little bit because there is a, a trend or a little bit of a, of a push back to go back to the office, so to speak. And so um, even if it's not full-time, it's uh, three days a week or so. And so that's putting some pressures on people who move further away to drive back and forth in the traffic, et cetera. So the outskirts have felt uh, more of a, of a drop than the, the city itself. The show is Hi-Fi Radio. We bring it to each and every Saturday. I'm Wolfgang Klein, Frank Leo, The Lion. Uh, spending some time with us. We're talking about a very, very important asset class. Uh, one, for the most part, I'm a big supporter of, uh, unless you're single, uh, but uh, any kind of family uh, mindset, uh, I think a home ownership makes an awful lot of sense as long as you don't uh, work just to support the mortgage. Uh, we've seen people like that who stretch too far, you know, try to buy their dream home, I think too young. Uh, Jack, you know who I'm referring to. Uh, and then they, I think they're going to become a slave to well, they one. Call to, it, they call it. They're going to become a slave to one asset, which is just their house. And that's not the way to truly build wealth. You got to, part of it diversifying, we send it, RSP, RESP, kids education. You got to put money aside for that and get the government grant. And yes, you want to have yourself a home. So it's, it, life is a balancing act. It's difficult. And I go back to another reason to work with professionals all along the way. You know, work with guys like Frank when you're, when you're interested in real estate. You work with guys like Jack and I who can give you some broad financial sense and, and, and align you up with proper managers, ourselves included. Uh, you, you need to have good partners in your life. And, well, I hope we uh, help eschew those values uh, here on the show. Uh, Frank. 
Mike, any uh, final thoughts on the real estate market as spring is in the air? Well, you know, with real estate, you just said something that was very, um, you know, intuitive, and that is that even though the prices have come down last year to this year from the highs by 14.6% in Toronto, um, the reality is it was more affordable to buy a property last year yeah. because of the interest rates. I know. So the key to real estate is not trying to time the market, but it's the time in the market. The sooner you get in and ha- start paying yourself through a mortgage, the sooner you will own the property. So time in the market is the key. They have no the, the stock market is very much the same thing. Uh, you, if you log four decades in, in the stock market, which you should, you start to work at 25 and you hit 65, that's 40 years. You log 40 years in the market, even if you buy peaks, if you buy peaks, guess what? There, there has been additional peaks in time. So there, there will be a new peak in real estate. There will be a new peak in, in, the, in the value of a business as long as you buy good stuff. You get caught up in the memes and the fads and the flashes in the pan. Well, out of the fire, out of, out of the pan and into the fire you go. Frank Leo the Lion, a pleasure, my good friend. Uh, I thank you very, very kindly for all of your uh, intellect and knowledge that you're sharing with the audience uh, this Saturday night. Have a great weekend. We are going to stay on the topic of real estate, uh, speak with Drew Donaldson, Donaldson Capital. He's a mortgage broker. Uh, we'll get a little more granular on the cost of $100,000 and, well, uh, how you can perhaps uh, finance your way to your, you know, home ownership dream. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. It is a show about just that. I'm Wolfgang Klein. I'm a portfolio manager. I, well, manage just under $400 million with my partner, Jack. And uh, we help clients build wealth uh, over the long term. We manage risk along the way. And, well, we know how to uh, extend value with each and every dollar and how to be most efficient with a dollar. But we continuously learn as we go. Managing taxes, um, managing return, expectations, uh, emotions. Oh, it is just an ongoing uh, uh, joy uh, to work with our clients. And please, if you need any help with your money, don't hesitate to check out our website, wolfinkline.com. And uh, yeah, uh, holistic, holistic, holistic is what it's all about. Make sure your wills are up to date. You got some proper insurance in place. And uh, you're managing your expenses. And again, well, one of your biggest expenses in life is tax. But another big expense, certainly if you're a homeowner, is servicing your debt, your mortgage. And uh, that expense has just gone parabolic. Uh, Drew Donaldson, uh, Donaldson Capital. Uh, news from Drew, as Jack and I like to refer to him, he used to write a newsletter called News from Drew. He's been on the show many, many times. Uh, Drew, welcome back, my good friend. You're uh, a busy boy. Uh, you're expanding your mortgage brokerage business into the United States. Of course, you got a Port Carling office servicing the uh, big mucky mucks up in Muskoka. And of course, well, you spend some time with Jack and I on Hi-Fi Radio. Let's talk about affordability. Let's talk about the cost of money. Um, 
and uh, what you're seeing out there. Uh, please, uh, Drew, today on a monthly payment, $100,000, what is the approximate monthly payment? Because uh, I want to pick up from where we left off with Frank Leo. And how much of that monthly payment is going towards principal versus interest? You have to start with a 25-year amortization. Uh, on a 25-year M. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, Walt. You're welcome. So, um, you know, we've had a we've had a, a strong rise in interest rates, both on the variable and the fixed side. So, essentially, March of last year, all the way up till about December of 2022, rates were just rising across the board, and uh, and now we're at least <clears throat> starting to see the fixed rate level off. So, we mm-hmm. had a monthly payment of 505. Uh, the other day, if I break that down oh. to 100000 yeah, it'd be $505, and that was on a 4.53% interest rate. Yeah. And then if you look at the 100000 on what a variable rate is today, you're looking at about five point or $594 on a, on a fixed rate for that. Right. And so, so on the variable rate, it costs you five ninety four per month. And again, you take variable rate if you think interest rates are going to fall. Um at five ninety four a month, do you know how much of that, uh, Drew, is going towards uh, equity? Yeah, yeah, that's another big shift. Yeah, it's a huge shift. That's why I'm. That's why I talk about it. Back in the day, that would have been all interest. I say back in the day when uh, I bought my first home in the uh, 1990, it was ninety percent interest, ten percent equity. But a couple of years ago, when interest rates were almost zero, your first payment was automatic equity uh, or principal reduction. You, you actually had a significant impact on the equity. So where does it stand today? Exactly. When we were doing those 1.5% rates, it was like 80% toward principal. Right. That was for savings. It was beautiful. Yeah. Now it's shifted and it's gone 80% interest and 20% principal. Wow. I'm not sure a lot of people realize. They don't. They don't. They Two years ago, I said, if you take, if you buy a home, it's it's expensive. You're paying top dollar, but at least interest rates are low. And with interest rates are low, when you make a mortgage payment, you're actually, well, building wealth on the first payment. That's not the case right now. So again, you get a mortgage payment, uh, you pay 600 bucks, uh, almost $500 therefore is going towards servicing the debt and the other $100 is going towards now building wealth. Uh, that's a very different equation. Uh, prices have fallen 15%, but affordability has gotten so much worth. I think it's about 30% more expensive now all in than it was about a year and a half ago. Am I correct, Drew? Yeah, you're right. You're right. And, you know, we saw that 15% drop, but, uh, you know, at the same point in time, ever since this banking collapse that um, I guess didn't really happen because of the bailouts, that kind of dropped fixed rate interest rates. And over the last month, we've seen a huge spur in the market where that 15% drop, I mean, I, I would beg to say that it's probably back to even. Frank Leo says no. He says maybe up about 1%. So he still thinks it's down about, call it 14%. But uh, anyway, the, the market looks healthier today. The, the housing market looks healthier today than it was certainly six months ago. So go ahead, Jack. Yeah, so Drew, you're servicing uh, multiple different markets. Obviously, uh, getting a footprint down in the U.S., uh, North Carolina. You're up in Port Carling. You're in Toronto. Uh, can you speak to the differences in the real estate market? Um in the U.S. versus Canada because of the, the differences in mortgages and, and the term structure that the uh, U.S. has versus Canada? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, 95% of our business is still the Toronto market um, and, and a little bit of Muskoka. But, yeah, we're starting to do some in the U.S. I would say the big difference is 30-year fixed-rate mortgages. A lot of people uh, just aren't selling because they're stuck with, let's say, a 2.99 30-year fixed. And if they sell, they have to redo the contract. So they'd rather just hold oh, on to the Oh, so they can't, they they can't to, port it? They can't port it to a new purchase? 
I most most you cannot port. Oh, that is very that's artificially reducing supply. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Where in in Toronto or in Muskoka, you know, as much as we we're we're, we're also not seeing much supply, you know, these terms are going to be coming up. And when someone had a you know one point nine nine five year fixed rate, once that comes up for renewal at five percent, if rates stay high then you're in a position where can they really afford the payment anymore? Are, are you starting to see those conversations, Drew, with the, the people that had uh, any mortgage in the last five years is, is lower than it is right now. So as those mortgages are coming for renewal, uh, are you having some difficult conversations with these clients? Uh, you know what? We're having we're having the conversations, but it's more of a fear based conversation. It's not a oh, that's difficult. Uh, <laughs> it's not a, it's not actually hitting. I mean, people like if the payment's an extra thousand bucks, and maybe it's just the market we work in with a lot of you know high net worth individuals or people with high incomes. You know, they 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 kind of gripe about the payment like anybody would. But if the payment goes up a thousand bucks, it's actually not changing their life drastically. So it's a fear conversation, not a panic conversation, meaning uh, my mortgage is coming up for renewal. I need to sell my house and I'm underwater. You're not having those conversations right now? Exactly. The only ones on those that we're having is when there's some separations and divorces that have gone on over the pandemic and, and afterward. And those are the people that are that are having to sell. I, I've got a lady right now in Collingwood. She's trying to sell. She can't really sell the property. We've got other clients and people out there that, uh, you know, once all of a sudden you're paying twenty or 30000 a month in support or if you go down to one income versus two incomes, you know, you can't keep two or three properties like you had before. You got to go down to one. Shows Hi-Fi Radio each and every Saturday. Jack and I walk off of Bay Street, come to the studios and talk about our week, about making money for our clients and managing risk. And it's a pleasure to spend an hour with you. Thank you for joining us. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Get right back to Hi-Fi Radio right here on 640 Toronto. Want to make more money? Stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome back. Joe is Hi-Fi Radio. And I've said on the show many times, cornerstone in wealth creation is real estate. But you must have a long view on it. And, well, it's not uh, straightforward stuff. There's some challenges along the way. You know, take my little backyard. I got a bunch of trees in it. And wind comes through the city and blows at the trees and cracks the branches. I have to call in the arborist. And hand over about $5,000. But uh, boy, to watch an arborist work in a backyard is a pretty cool thing. Uh, Drew Donaldson, spending some time with us. Donaldson Capital, uh, he's a mortgage broker. Uh, we strongly encourage you uh, to uh, use a mortgage broker when seeking debt. Don't just go to your bank, shop it. You're, t- trust me, what the bank gives you and what any other lender will give you, it's the exact same thing. It's called money, Canadian dollars, loonies. Exact same product. That's different. You go to a restaurant. No, two different chefs, you're going to get two different products. So they can charge a different price. But when it comes to currency, my friends, you push hard on that price. And you need a broker to do that. So Drew can certainly help shop the full market and find you the best rate, best terms uh, to meet your needs and give you give you a little competition so they can fight over one another. Uh, thanks for spending some time with us, Drew. Indeed, uh, the real estate market uh, has been quite 
challenged. Uh, we haven't seen a whole lot of distressed situations just yet, but again, those mortgages are coming due very, very shortly with a five-year term. Well, the maximum period of uh, solos you have is five years, at which point you're going to have to wake up to higher interest rates. Now, Jack and I had some very interesting meetings this week, Drew. I want to just help set the table here. We had uh, a bond portfolio manager come into our office and spend a good half hour with us. Uh, Drew, you probably never sat in front of a bond trader, but if you want any idea of what's going to happen to real estate and and mortgage prices, you get in front of a bond trader because they see things that you and I just don't look at. Uh, fascinating, fascinating conversation. But I'll tell you, uh, in speaking to the bond trader, he says something very interesting. He said, the bond market is saying we are not going into any deep recession. Friends at home, I want you to hear what I just said. The bond market is saying we are not going into a deep recession. Perhaps a recession of some sort, but not a deep one. Uh, the yield curve inverting that means short-term interest rates are higher than long-term interest rates. That spells of a recession. The leading indicators, spelling of a recession. But the actual bond market with 10-year yields falling, with 30-year yields. And Jack said, well, if this 30-year yield hasn't moved, it's what, 3 points? Around 3.6. 3.6. Right? It's been steadily. At, the only thing moving is the short end of the curve, you know, under two years. And that's driven by the central Bank. So, so, so the bond market says no deep recession. Friends at home, I share that with you. Don't get all spooked when you see recession talk. Don't buy into it because the bond market isn't, and nor is the stock market. So perhaps the stock market and the bond market are fighting the Fed, and they say don't fight the Fed, but it's going to be interesting to see who wins. Will the Fed push us into a deep recession, or will the bond market be correct and say, you know something, it won't be that Deep. Uh, that, that's the first thing I want to share with you. Sorry, go ahead, Jack. I'll just say when you talk when you talk about the bond market, though. So leading economic indicators are saying there's going to be a recession. Yep. Um, the yield curve says recession. Yield curve says recession. Multiple points in the yield curve, not just the, yeah, that, that so is correct. Multiple points. The fact is, prices not have not adjusted yet for a recession. They could rapidly adjust. Yeah. People need to recognize that the bond market can rapidly adjust. Although the 30 year hasn't moved a whole lot in the last, I'm going to say 30 days around Silicon uh, Valley bank. If you're on the short end of the curve, if you're on the two year, things have adjusted rapidly. Oh, big time. More so than they have, have done in the last 30 years. Rate of change. Rate it's of, significant. So, very, very so what significant. that is telling you is that I believe that there will be recession. The question is how, how deep, how severe. Uh, my question for Drew would be short end has come down quite a bit, although the Fed hasn't moved. Are you seeing any movement on like the two to three year time uh, frame or term for mortgages, Drew? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, the one and two year fixed rates seem to be the highest fixed rates at the moment compared to the, you know, if I'm doing a four or five year fixed rate, it's kind of come around 4.53%. If I'm doing a two year fixed rate, I'm essentially begging the pricing department to get me under five. So we had one approved the other day at 499, but we also had one, you know, 10 days ago, I think it was 5.24 on a, on a two-year fixed rate. So the, the, hot, the, the longer the term, the lower the rate these days. Yeah, and again, the bond market is saying interest rates are going to go down. And the person buying a two-year is saying, I'm going to buy the two-year and pay five because in two years when that comes due, I think rates are going to be much lower. So where, where are you telling people to price it on the curve then, Drew? Are you saying... Go variable, expect rates to fall because central banks are saying they're not going to do much there. Or are you siding with the market going a little bit further out because interest rates are lower right now? Are you, are you, at, yeah, the five years cheaper. Five, yeah. five years cheaper than two year. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the situation. But for most clients, I'd say 80% of them, we're pushing them into the two or three year fixed rate. We're saying, okay, the variable is too high. Let's kick the can down the road two to three years. 
Hopefully, interest rates a little bit will be a little bit lower when you come up for renewal at that standpoint. And we're still getting you below five percent today, which is a decent rate. So we're kind of we're kind of that in between phase. Very very interesting stuff. Uh, Drew Donaldson, uh, thank you for spending some time with us, Donaldson Capital. I do want to wish you a safe weekend. I do want to wrap up with just some more uh, highlights uh, from Bay Street, uh, the week that was, and some of the great, great minds that uh, Jack and I were able to uh, get in front of and learn some stuff. So we spoke about uh, our meeting uh, with um, uh, Jerry Lusky-Fraser, their fixed income manager. But uh, Butel Goodman was in our office, and we're going to be bringing them on the show in a few weeks. Butel Goodman had been managing money uh, in Canada since 1967. Their office is up at Young and Eglinton and been sitting there for decades. And I share them with you because, again, the average person doesn't know who Butel Goodman is, uh, but they, they, they manage just under $50 billion. And, well, two-thirds of that money is actually being managed uh, for what's called institutions, uh, pension funds and hedge funds. will give them a little bit of their money uh, to manage. And I tell you what I found very interesting about their style of money management, Jack, uh, was that... Uh, they there was called a value shop. They're looking for a good price on a good quality business, and they're willing to hold it for the haul. In other, they, they, their turnover is very very low. They they they, they barely sell fifteen percent of their companies each and every year. Whereas most managers would have a turnover closer to forty or fifty percent. And and to have a low, to low turnover, you have to know your business that much better and be that much more committed to the business. But in speaking with the manager, you said, well, really, you know, the Canadian market is so thin. There's so few things you can buy. I end up, he said to me, buying oligopolies, railways, banks, utilities. He is a Canadian manager. He's a Canadian manager. But I found that that thesis very, very true because the Canadian market is so thin, Jack. There's so little. You you cannot buy technology in Canada. We don't have any. You can't buy healthcare in Canada. We don't have any. yeah, we have energy stocks, which are great. We have banking stocks, which are fine. We have railway stocks, which are good, and a bit of resource, and that is about it. The, but the thing I found that very interesting is turnover is very, very low. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, and the thing that stuck out to me with that meeting as well is the fact that he said, we have a process. It's a value-based process uh, focused on price. But the other thing that we're going to do, we're managing money for institutions. We will not blow you up in the long term. We will not chase meme stocks. We're not going to go crypto. Uh, we're not going to be into SPACs. All the stuff that is very thematic, and can cause, I'm going to say a lot of investor uh, euphoria, is the types of stuff that really gets people in trouble in the long term and detracts from creating long-term wealth. You know, our, man, our manager, Kevin, Kevin Vandermeer, said to me, he said, well, just keep it on the fairway. Uh, well, with the Masters just uh, concluding, that's it. I say most golfers can't keep it on the that's fairway. That's my point. So as an investor, it, you're just doing what people can't do. Well, right? you know, you, you got or the... Or lose you, focus on you, you hit the ball into the woods the sand trap or the water. Uh, I'll take the woods all day long. The water, I'm forced to drop, but the sand traps, the worst. You're stuck to go in the pit, and I get oh, eight swings to get the ball out, and a whole lot of sand. I hate the sand traps. But, See, but, same with managing money. No sand, no water, no trees. Keep it on the fairway. How? Maybe you want to give us a call. WolfgangKlein.com, WolfOnBayStreet.com. Jack, myself, my team, uh, all of our intellect here to help you build wealth. My friends, I want to wish you a wealthy weekend. I can't wait to speak with you next Saturday. Same bat time, same bat channel. All the best. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardhill, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any questions about money, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. Join us again next week. 
The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.